to millennials, then fall society. On today's episode, we will be talking about law, commitment and babies. Hello there and welcome back to this is now the final episode of this season of A2 Millennials. As always, I'm Louise Duncan and I'm joined by... Me. <laughs> <laughs> and who are you? Molly Duncan. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Um, as as you know, and as the listeners will know, we started this season with talking to our parents. Well, I mean, I talked to our parents. Um, so I think it's quite nice to round things off with yourself. Mm. Um, especially as you're a bit older than me, and so we're going into that final stage of growing up. Mm. Yes, I'm the additional spawn of, <laughs> of the Duncan household. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we were created... Um, uh, e- evenly and equally. <laughs> What's it that Scar says? It's like, uh, yeah, so I spend my time at the shallow end of the gene pool. <laughs> oh. that, that's me. That's well, a vibe though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, overall, yeah, I think maybe talking a little bit about how you found that last transitional step, you know, as, as mm. a millennial yourself. Um, sort of leaving home yeah leaving home um, I talked a bit about education and sort of higher education with someone else mm. um, so yeah what what do you think about that next step because you I know with your your profession you have ended up studying for longer mm. so argue that move arguably that move into professional workspaces a little later but but sort of at the right time I think yeah so I remember my last year in high school and my last year at home being very difficult mm. That I'd kind of made the choice to stay for sixth year, despite essentially having the qualifications to go to uni. Yeah, and do whatever. Um, I did went. I did go through the whole Oxbridge application process and ended up being an Oxford reject. Hmm. Uh, and I did seriously consider dropping out of school at that point. Um, but in the end, I was convinced to stay part time and. It was quite good. I got my unconditional offers from yeah. Edinburgh, Strathclyde, and ended up picking Edinburgh. And I stayed on to do, I think it was two or three subjects at the end of things, but I was working part-time in the hotel in the in the village, and <laughs> yeah. that ended up being quite an eventful thing. Now, I mean, when you're working part-time and schooling part-time, you're essentially doing a 12-hour day, uh, and that can be... Uh, quite difficult but I found it to be a really important part of becoming an adult I turned 18 Mm. right after my last exam and yeah it was kind of a revolution in actually realizing okay well I can now drive somewhere on my own I can now buy alcohol and cigarettes and I'm also entitled to be paid for work and I can manage that yeah um but I remember finding that kind of adjustment for me very easy, but the adjustment for the people around me less easy. Mm. I think mum and dad found it a bit difficult having a suddenly having an adult in the house. Well, I think that's something that we've noticed. I think that's something that I've noticed a lot over the last year as we've um, our parents have finally moved to be a bit closer. We're able to see them a bit more. And especially mm. with the difficult lockdown situation, there's been a lot more checking in on everyone, I think, just yeah. in general. 
but we've sort of been able to see them a lot and I think there is kind of now a, a realization of a shift that now both of you you and I um, are out of university it's kind of a different stage now I know well we're now living the life of graduates Ooh. <laughs> spooky <laughs> I know it's not so fun having you know, no longer having the cushion of a student mm. loan and being tired all the time that's a new thing for adulthood yep uh, hangovers are actually a bad thing <sighs> getting fat by doing nothing and that's fine you're, it's fine to get fat um, but it's one of these things where now gotten to a stage where the sort of the exciting things going on around me mm. are people getting married and people having babies yeah which um, you hear about you hear mm. that this wave will come yeah I think the thing for me is feeling that this is what my peers are doing and I'm not ready for that yet yeah. quite quite patently feeling unready for it well there's there's so many social expectations and i know what i talked about with i think it would have been emily last week is is some really interesting stuff to do with workplace pressures and societal pressures i think this is again another one on those that's that sort of step on the inverted commas path of life I know, well, it's interesting how at uni everyone seems to be going off in different directions and everyone's doing all sorts of exciting new things. And then suddenly, once you've sort of become a graduate, because I've been out of uni for... Uh, a good few years now. Two years, nearly. Um, Crazy. And it suddenly becomes a lot more linear, I think. Mm. Um, your peer group is much smaller... It's a lot harder to make new friends and the peer group that you're involved with have sort of started to pair off and if not are either often... I mean, so like my, my friend group is definitely split into two types of people and that's somebody who's married or expecting or at least in... Coupled. Coupled or in, and in a long-term relationship and then those who are maybe a little bit of that but who are currently doing masters and PhDs. Yeah. And... Uh, it is quite interesting to sort of feel like I fall into a slightly different category in that I'm working and I'm in a long-term relationship, but I feel like living together and having a cat is about as yeah about as advanced as I want to be <laughs> at yeah, this time. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that I mentioned a little bit with mum and dad. This is nice because it's the final episode. I can mm. finally talk back because they, they were all recorded out of sync, which is the yep. best bit. Um, but we spoke a little bit about traditional expectations and that was definitely something that though mum and dad wanted to bring in traditional elements that they didn't had, they also didn't want to set us with necessarily traditional values or a linear path. So I think partly we as, as two individuals have sort of been set up a little bit different from the start. If, yeah, if you'd well, maybe feel with that. It, it's interesting. I know my mum, I know mum and dad had mm. asked me a couple of times whether I went into the law because of them. I'm like, which one of you is the lawyer? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the question. It's like, yeah, this this is a decision I've made myself, but perhaps because it was, it's a, one of the traditional professions yeah. they felt that perhaps I'd done it to please them well but... they think of doc doctors and law mm. or have sort of got those historic ideas behind it not only uh, because of the institution. the thing is we're all mental uh, oh you mean doctors and lawyers mm. or do you mean our family oh no <laughs> doctors and lawyers I think <laughs> right, yeah. um, we're sort of you know I've sort of become increasingly aware that we're sort of a hard drinking no sleeping group of people and I, uh, I, I wonder how easy it is then for people in these groups 
to fit into the more kind of mm. traditional get married, have kids thing, See, you especially for that. women. You say that, but I have also met a lot of theatre, artsy <laughs> and filmmaking people who equally are hard drinkers, stay up all nighters mm. um, and don't necessarily follow into that idea. But I think, you know, in in requiring for yourself to be in a happy, committed relationship mm. and, and, you know, to have then kids and house and all those next steps mortgages and whatever i think there is also support networks that are required oh yeah so i think for some people there is maybe a want to do that but who can't who just can't when is i think you're maybe the other situation of you're in quite a good but position I d- but don't I think want to I, i've been accused in <laughs> accused i've been accused <laughs> in the past of having my shit together and mm. uh you don't need to worry because you've got your boyfriend or you don't need to worry because you've got a job it's like it, I think as a young person no as a young person you constantly wonder whether you've got your shit together or not and being in a relationship for I think it's nearly six years now it's hard work Mm. and Mm. I think the main thing is understanding that our relationship changes as we both grow grow I think in my mid-20s now having met my partner when I was 18 I'm an infinitely different person. Yeah, I've I've been with you almost your whole life. And yeah. I've seen you change a lot. <laughs> Where were you in 1996 and 97? <laughs> yeah, what happened for those two years? Oh, I was on holiday. On the holidays. <laughs> on the holidays. You, you joined a bike again. Yeah, I did, yeah. From from Yorkshire. Mm. Um, but I think I think, yeah, it's it's sort of wonderful that I think we have stayed so close as individuals. Um, you know, we took a bit of a, a couple gap years in the middle, <laughs> um, but that that I think has also not only supported us in our growth and and our understanding of ourselves through the sort of mirror imaged sibling, mm. um, you know, distorted wonky image. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm the fat version of you. Yes. <laughs> but, um... but I think so. I think as young people's sisters are very frequently paired as sort of two sides of a coin and I think that's Mm. kind of unfair I think it's important to acknowledge that we are cut off the same cloth but are definitely complete individuals yeah and and I'm sure our accents will sound the same and there might be people frequently say we sound exactly the same on the phone I mean dad sometimes isn't sure if I go hey dad it's me and he's like uh (laughs) oh I always warn him before I call him so that's how he knows (laughs) I know but I quite like getting his hello Rory Duncan uh, (laughs) on the phone um but yeah, I think I think there is. We, I know as we were growing up, and as Mum dressed us in the same outfits and stuff, there was like a "you guys are the same." So I think we definitely had a polarizing, sort of binary opposites period of our life. Mm. But I think yes, as we're in this sort of new stage, there is an appreciation of the value of family. There is, you know, an understanding of. Uh, keeping close relations and keeping it civil, you but know. Also, an opportunity to kind of examine what your relationship is with mm. your parents and your siblings. But yeah, I guess it's interesting to sort of, and this is something you've said a couple of times mm. before, is that me, you, dad, and mum were all from slightly different generations. Yeah. In that, from time to time, frequently. I'll notice that there are sort of differences between me and you in terms of what we recognise as our kind of cultural yes. references and our go-to kind of films and music and stuff. That we do have similarities, mm. but you know, I think it's much like Antoine's brother. There's a about a decade age age difference between them. Yeah, um, they they're still able to have a good time with each other, but there's some things which are harder work for my partner in that you know Mm. a lot of references 
that his younger brother makes are just, you know, whoosh, over our heads. And I, I think that's the thing me and my partner have been saying recently is there's a lot of stuff out there now that makes us feel old for the first time. Yeah. And that's, that I think is an interesting one in that, that even, you know, I think as as we at least I'm realizing I'm starting to get an adult brain in terms of mm. the way that I am processing and, and figuring through situations and I think the kinds of situations that are coming up now um it it really is sort of you know there's there is still the same oh I can ask mum and dad or Molly for help but there's mm. kind of different purposes and and things behind it now mm. um you know there's different responsibilities in terms of of sort of what we are all doing um and i think that also is kind of shaping us still um as as we do more um and as we kind of become more yeah i think something that i've been dealing with a lot is the sort of imposter syndrome mm. i'm feeling that i've gotten to a point where i am and I'm, and i just I don't know what's going to happen next. Everyone else seems to know, but I know that's like an illusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, I think we're a generation that's had a lot of pressure to succeed placed on us. Yeah. A lot of pressure to move forward, make money and be educated and all of that. And I think there comes a point where you come out of uni and you get the job and then you're kind of like well what now yeah and i think that's just as i've graduated this year it's going to be weird saying i graduated last year now um but graduated as time of recording this mm. year <laughs> um and and it has been a while now because i didn't get a full graduation we just sort of stopped and then it kind of ended yeah you're sort of in limbo <laughs> in limbo for quite a while as is the way with 2020 mm. there is that kind of well, what now? Because I think a lot of my struggles have mostly been in the academic sector. So there was kind of a big upheaval to, okay, I've just got to do this, you know, and then I can die happy kind of thing. But it's like, no, life doesn't just sort of stop. It does keep going. And it it gets harder and Yay. or different. And I mean, you know, I was, I've been dealing with a very difficult matter at work. Yeah. I obviously can't go into too much detail, but there did come a point where we'd been arguing about a septic tank for so long that I just kind of, you know, deep sigh on the phone to my colleague and said, look, when you do find it, bury me in the hole with it because <laughs> I am so, so done. done. And there, there's kind of no escape from it because you have to come back the next day as opposed to at uni where you're like, okay, well, that's a scenario that we did and now we're not talking about it ever again. Yeah, yeah, I think I think uni, though I find it incredibly beneficial, especially for the practical skills and networking that I learned along the way, there were a lot of times where it was, okay, now learn and write about this thing and never think about never it again. Think about it. And yeah, and now I'm encountering them from time to time in real life and going, Christ, okay, well, I kind of know what to do, but this situation is real life and it's mm. there's subtle differences. And then you're actually dealing with human beings on the other side of things. I think it is interesting kind of encountering other adults and other professionals over the phone and them not knowing entirely who I am or how old I am or how inexperienced I am. And, mm. you know, I've been asked whether I'm Mrs. Duncan. Lol, lol, lol. Uh, uh, Duncan's actually my own name, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually Duncan. I'm actually Duncan McDuncan. McDuncan face. Um, or, you know, people are sort of referring to me for extra help or um, extra advice and I'm kind of like oh 
God, they don't know that I'm just, <laughs> I am still a child in a suit. Mm. Um, but what a great suit you have, though. <laughs> I've got um, a few, you know. Yeah. I just wish I'd get to wear them more, because I at know. the moment I'm just kind of turning up, rocking up to the office in leggings, because... <laughs> Why not? Well, Nobody's yeah. there. Nobody well, will see you. I didn't get the memo on Friday, but all the secretaries were wearing Christmas jumpers, and I felt a bit left out. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got a good Christmas jumper coming in the post, actually. I'm quite excited for that. What about your Greg's one? The Greg's one's currently needing washed. Um, I bought a Greg's Christmas jumper in, like, I think it's either XL or double XL, because I wanted to be swaddled in Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Um... But yeah, I think it is interesting. I've I've noticed a bit of a similar experience as of course I'm I'm doing independent self-employed work. And it's so our own business. It's our mm. own business and, and you know, we are experts in our field, but of course mm. are, are also learning different areas of a niche. I'm learning pretty much. Um <laughs> but we've been doing like some consultation work and some other kind of work because I think part of our specialist knowledge not only comes from a generation of avid um, technology users, you know, that, that a lot of the technology that we are advising for and making content for, we as individuals have been on it, but have also used it our whole lives. And so the work we'll be doing, we'll be advising companies who have like, what's our Instagram reels? <laughs> um, you know, or... Well, I, I mean, this is another sign of me getting old, but it was more like, I feel like the layout of apps change constantly. Um, part of that is they know what they want, and so they'll just change it to suit, because I think we're, we're at a time of sort of gl globalised social media where there's a few big ones at the top but at any moment they could topple so why not just know, change it how they want and it's funny how like the advice our parents gave us when we were all first logging in hmm. online and doing google searches for the first time was you know watch out, don't believe everything you see on the internet, yeah, don't, don't talk to strangers don't use your real name uh, and now I feel like members of that generation are so so keen to offer as much information to the yeah. internet as possible and so readily wanting to accept whatever nonsense it is they find like the sort of chain mail yes. um, messages which sort of played you know facebook in the early noughties have suddenly become super normal as something that goes around whatsapp these days and mm. it, it's always disappointing to me when I see you know people who are who you know who I know are very clever and who are professionals who are still sharing these kinds of things and it's sort of odd that the sort of discerning caution which they had in earlier phases of the internet has sort of gone and we're kind of left picking up the pieces and having to tell people that that's not real or well, I, I think the sort of okay boomer minion memes yeah. is is such an interesting sort of facet of media in itself it that that you know the minions as a concept being uh luminations i think it is yeah. made film so not even like a disney no they, they were made for children. Made for children, but also incredibly simplistic, though very intelligent design. Well, it's for merchandising. For merchandising, but also for sort of comfortability and, and, and familiarity and, and, you know, all these... And all they don't, this stuff. They don't even speak. They don't even speak, so you can have them in all languages. And yeah. then, yeah, that sort of then... Because that is a sharing of these minions saying... I guess, like, I don't know, Gandhi quotes or something, and then people sort of twist it. <laughs> or and, Marilyn Monroe quotes. Yeah, and, and it's it's a really bizarre situation where you'll find someone who, you know, in real life would maybe never say or act upon those kind of things, but mm. are sharing this bizarre so, content. 
Yeah, the sort of super mutated. And, and so, Mum made a really good point, as mm. as our our mum is a boomer. Um, but I think she made a really good point of if she hadn't gone back to study media, I mm-hmm. think she would fall into a lot more traps. Because yeah. though she, uh, I think at the start wasn't so great with understanding it, she has yeah. definitely learned like how to use gifts on Messenger. You know, she's learned yeah, and to be discerning about some of the yeah. the Facebook groups out there. I know she's actively removed herself from, from one. quite a few, yeah. Uh, and that's quite good. And I think, to be honest, it's usually with the help of us or Dad. Mm. I mean, Dad being so tech-aware, you know, with these things. And I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of people's parents out there who just can't distinguish between what is marketing and what yeah. is insidious uh, fake news or like actual hate groups sort of disguised as something else. I think it, it's difficult. I know like a lot of the anti-vax movements at the moment yeah. gain significant traction because of social media. And and I think this is a really interesting thing because the anti-vaxxer stuff also permeates a lot of different communities. I yes. I am vegan myself. And it is a huge thing in certain vegan communities. A yep. lot of the other vegans are like, what the hell? But it's also involved in like MLMs. It's also involved in parenting. It's also involved yeah. in this. My contact with it was when I got involved with the Beltane Fire Society yeah. here in Edinburgh. And I guess I'd describe it as performance art. Yeah, performance art. As, as somebody who was in a lot of theatre groups, the sort of idea of being part of a performance which was filmed by mm. news companies uh, and the BBC uh, all over the world. Pagan and traditional yeah, local Yeah, 10,000 people come to see it and I felt like, you know, it was a sort of going to be a grounding creative experience, but I was surprised at how many kind of vulnerable people are kind of attracted into that community mm. uh, and how, yeah, the kind of hippy-dippy groups are often permeate, permeated by sort of more insidious anti-vaxxer kind of doctrine and thought and I guess the idea of a chickenpox party makes sense mm. if it's something that can't kill you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you have a so-called old world illness in the modern day, you do suddenly realise how much that can affect you. I mean, it, it affected my ability to gain weight from it for a couple yeah. of years. And they say it can wreak havoc on your immune system for the rest of your life. I think what this alludes to is also 2020 as a year itself. What a year it's been. But I think... The flaming garbage thing I think that it has been. It, it has not only, you know, increased our sort of dependence on various social media websites in terms of... Uh, I found, like, Messenger really important for connecting to people, even for just a, hey, do you want to go for a walk? Let's go out. Or, or mm. uh, Skype-style Zoom calling people... Um, to to see people, I think, especially as we were talking about um, sharing of memes and online content, now that we sort of... I think a lot of people have just gotten rid of social media. Mm. Super valid for them. Um, I have found I've been really dependent on it. As we've just not seen people. And so I feel mm. that people's online profiles have kind of become a lot more themselves. But I, I also feel that, especially in the height of things, so in April I was really struggling mm. with my anxiety and I was having panic attacks on a daily basis and essentially not sleeping. And I found that the 24-hour news cycle mm. and people's constant panicking and sharing of stuff online being so unrelenting yeah. was exacerbating Unnerving. Yeah, exacerbating the feelings I was having. So I did just get rid of uh, Reddit and 
the BBC News app and everything. I, I did that for a couple of weeks just so I could get my shit together enough yeah. in order to fly home from Australia where I'd been working. Yeah, also didn't help that you guys were also stuck in Australia at the time. Yeah, and I think that was perhaps part of it. <laughs> yeah, but also like that was one of the biggest tests of kind of being an adult. Yeah. Essentially, we kind of... The other side of the world, pretty much. Well, we packed everything we owned up into a bag each. Everything else went into storage. Mm. And then we were like, okay, well, here's our mission. We're going to Southeast Asia, and then we're going to move to Australia for a year and work. And, I mean, I had nothing in place when mm. I arrived. Mm. I just... I got my tax number over there. That's the first thing I did. And then I was applying for jobs for about a month until I got one. And there was something quite grown up about that. The idea being that I could be somewhere where I knew literally no one. Yeah. And I could still... Still speak the language. Still speak the language. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the main thing was, is like knowing that my success was based on hard work. Yeah. Uh, And then actually fitting in and meeting friends. And, you know, we moved into essentially a a frat house (laughs) and didn't go so well well no it was fine it was just you know kind of weird living somewhere filthy and studenty again for the first Mm. time in a while i think that's what pushed me and antoine to move into somewhere that was a a lot nicer when we came back to edinburgh similarly with me and becca we've both been staying in sort of weird studenty places (laughs) dos houses Um, (laughs) you know and becca's a lot more close to your age as she's done a lot more college and so that was something of like yeah you know we want to live somewhere that's nice Mm. um and and here we are i know and i tell you what moving to somewhere unfurnished for the first time that was quite something in it well, it, it felt big. It felt big and important. And I mean, to be honest, we've done our best. We got stuff secondhand yeah. and we did a couple of I- Ikea trips and we assembled Ikea furniture and didn't break up. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's... We, we repainted an entire bedstead yeah, yeah. and didn't break up. It's just the true test. And I mean, honestly, it took so long for our sofa to arrive that we ended up getting just... one and it only arrived two weeks ago, yeah. having ordered one in July. So, you know, you kind of have to learn these things when you do them for the first time, but there's something really nice about living somewhere that's not got shitty, horrible, nice. broken furniture. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or the, the cupboards, you know, you open the cupboard and just the whole cupboard door comes off. Yeah, or like you look in a cupboard and there's an entire rolled up carpet in there on the first day you move yep. in. You yeah. know, everyone's had those nightmares. Uh, and, and I think that's then also part of growing up is is being able to be in a, not necessarily a financially stable situation because I think anything can happen, but having your own sense of style, your own sense of of not independence, but the ability to be going out and just doing things and and picking stuff that you like and yeah, not killing all your house plants and you <laughs> know, pee my house plants, <laughs> <laughs> not going into your overdraft because you've been out all drinking all night. Although mm. I still occasionally go into my overdraft now as an adult. I think that's something. I I feel like people still do New Year's resolutions. Yeah. I think my New Year's resolution is to try and budget a bit better because I still find myself getting into kind of like oh god I'm so poor now moments and I feel like that's That's a little student in vibes that's why I feel like that's my last sort of remnant of being a student to be fair it was this it's always with December I always save and I always am like yes I'm going to spend well this Christmas (laughs) and then I always am like either just over or go and now I'm at zero (laughs) I know well I mean one of the best things this year was finally being approved for a credit card in an overdraft, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, to be honest, feels kind of dangerous, but at the it's same pretty. time, it's like, I know I can trust myself to pay it back every yeah. month, and it gives me the flexibility that you wouldn't otherwise have as yeah, somebody exactly. who's working a part-time job or a non-permanent position. It's nice to finally be able to borrow money 
mm. and start building a credit score because previously my credit score was hideous. Yeah. But it's because I've never, never borrowed. borrowed and there's something so unfair about that. And and you don't necessarily know that until you get there. Well, until you do a credit score. So, I mean, like, one of the things <laughs> that a very patronising bank manager once said to me was, like, the best way to improve your credit score is you get a credit card and you go down the shops every month and then you pay it back when you get paid. Right. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not here to buy shoes. I'd actually like to be able to rent a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like, I think the idea of then encouraging you to just be constantly random spending. Yeah, random spending nuts. going down the shops on yeah. on credits. Every like, month, you know, going to... Ugh, anyway, don't get me started on old men or don't, gender don't stereotypes. <laughs> um, I think the last thing I'd like to touch upon um, mm. as... Uh, I can't remember if we've mentioned it, but your your sort of profession is law and lawyer. I think we have. Mm. Um, and so that is something that com- that I would say, from my point of view, you are an expert on. Mm. Um, I think, how do you feel that that extra legal knowledge has helped you for that last further step? Because I think there is so much, you know, even just like, like financial things that people need to learn about. Mm. But I think you know, something that you always bring up is, is like, the legal implications of marriage. You know, the, the yeah. legal sides of living with someone in a house for ten years. Yeah, so I guess, like, before going any further, I'd like to make it very clear. <laughs> this is not advice. This is not legal advice. I'm not giving anyone legal advice. I'm basically stating my opinion, and this is my personal opinion. I love your opinion. Um, not the opinion of anyone else. So I guess the main thing is, is like, especially when cohabiting. So, like, Scotland has some actually really great cohabitation protections in place so that if you if you do live with somebody for an extended period of time and you put money into the relationship by buying furniture for a Mm. house that you don't perhaps own but perhaps your partner owns and perhaps you pay for the downstairs bathroom to be refurbished and perhaps you contribute to the mortgage and then suddenly you break up and you get tossed out there are now things in place which allow you to claim back that money which allow you to you know go to court and I guess the decisions are discretionary but there is more protection in place for what is now sort of a modern way of living as opposed to the sort of I mean so the the original case law for this was usually to do with uh, gay couples the idea being that they couldn't possibly be protected by marriage because they couldn't get married but now it's kind of just the status quo Mm. and in fact actually I think what I've seen a lot of is people kind of going fuck it and moving in together just because lockdown has happened yeah and that has perhaps had unforeseen implications in that you're you're now cohabiting you're now contributing and it it, that can put people in a difficult place so it's something you do have to consider but i i do think all in all it's a it's a nice thing that you can feel protected you can feel like you're recognized you're not just two humans sort of existing together and I guess... That's me and Becca, though. It's just two humans existing together. I know. Well, I think one of the best things my partner and I came up with when we started living together was we use Splitwise. And this is not an advert for Splitwise, but it's essentially an app which allows you to sort of track each other's spending on the household. And it means we've never had an argument about who paid for this or mm. it's my turn to pay or no, it's your turn to pay because we know based on the balance, who's yeah. been spending a bit more on the on household. What? And, yeah, and I think more recently we decided to get a joint bank yeah. account together. With little butters. With little butters, our cat. And <laughs> learning 
that, okay, well, we can put money on the joint account every month and we know we can then use that card, each of us, mm. to pay for the vet. Or, I mean, you know, like yesterday I decided to place an order for two 30-litre bags of litter oh, oh and my God. <laughs> uh, two kilos of dried cat food because it was mm. easier. And even though they were like, okay, that's fine, free delivery, but it won't be delivered until Tuesday. I'm like, oh, that's fine. It's arriving today. And I just feel like, oh, Christ, now I have to be in the flat. But, <laughs> you know, it, it feels kind of grown-up spending, right, in that perhaps okay. in years gone by I would have spent 40 quid on just a kebab and some drink. And uh, now Wait, I'm spending it on of, cat litter. Yeah, what kind of bougie-ass kebabs are you having? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, like... No, I am with you, though. You, you can you. spend a lot on takeaway food yeah. in this country. I mean, the nice thing about Australia was There's that life food. over there is kind of... It's kind of more accepted that takeaway food and mm. ordered food is kind of the status quo. So it's a lot cheaper, to be honest. I mean, the products over there are a lot fresher, so yeah. it's easier. But, like, yeah, no, you can spend a lot in this country, especially as a young person, on random tat, junk food, drink. But I think as well, you know, with with the rise of Amazon and us all being indoors and Mm. and things like spending, I've been seeing some really interesting thing of people sharing their Amazon is really going ham on recommending me this one thing. Mm. Um, And it's whether is it that Amazon can't actually sell enough of those or whether the algorithm has picked it up. Well, I always wonder what's going on with my algorithm because I feel heavily targeted by (laughs) mummy and me groups, uh, nappy adverts. You've got to just clear your cookies every now and then. I do, but I'm not looking at these things. <laughs> <laughs> they just know that I'm, you know, a female yeah. over the age of 18. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I don't actively seek out these online communities, right? But they're sort of they're forwarded to me. You, yeah. Uh, and it drives me nuts. There's so many companies I have had to block, actively yeah. block, because I can't stand to see another heavily made up woman holding a child and that being promoted as a lifestyle. That, I find yeah. that very difficult. Yeah. And these sort of... I think that's another thing about Instagram life, which is quite insidious for our generation, is people sort of basing that lifestyle that people portray as... As real. As real, and the, the all and end all. And, yeah. you know, if your pregnancy belly isn't gone after two weeks, then you're somehow a failure. Yeah, or, you know, if you don't have a big enough pregnancy belly, or if your ribs are showing, or, you yeah. know, any anything. Or if you miscarry, that you shouldn't show that on social media. People say that it's yeah. your, your own problem and you shouldn't be sharing it. And then it, it just means that women who do have miscarriages feel yeah, like a failure yeah. and that you can't share it. And, I mean, you know, I have my own opinion about how much people should or should not share on the, online anyway but it's the sort of thing that I feel yeah. we're a generation who's heavily affected by what we feel is real online and the fact that it really isn't. Well but I think even you know because I went and studied media so I've got that like and now I work in advertising so it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm horribly critical I think of the world and everything that I see but in the same way you know I have friends who have done the same courses but can still sort of get caught up because you know what what is wrong with idealizing and dreaming but I think it's that yes what are those dreams or what are you aiming for what are those ideals Mm. that you're aspiring to that's the word Mm. um and are they realistic or are they malicious or are they not and I think it's really hard for people to see I I feel and this is perhaps another sort of sign of me showing my age I feel like people are way more done up nowadays makeup wise Mm. even for like family photos or things like that and I I find that that must be really difficult for teens 
at the yeah. moment. What what I find interesting is that people are wearing more makeup, but there's also better filters to get rid of stuff. Yeah, so, so it's, more makeup. It's, it's a combination of sort yeah. of the digital and the social and, practice. And it being more acceptable that people use software that's sort of active while filming, you know, and that you can be oh. airbrushed. Yeah. You know, so it's not a case of, oh, well it'd be different because it's it's real life, it's film, it's not, it's still being airbrushed as you're watching it. I mean, th- examples like Kylie Jenner, for example, a lot mm. of people sort of hold her up as a sort of an idol, as somebody who's gorgeous and beautiful, and it's, I, I find that very hard to witness, because she had a baby, she could have sort of used that as a kind of a, look, I'm a teen, I, I had a teen pregnancy, and yeah. this is how difficult it is, and this is how ugly some of it is, and she was sort of immediately showing off her flat stomach, and perfect skin and perfect mm. hair and I think it, it's just it's not real and you, you can you see it all the time when people are like um I quite like to follow r slash Instagram reality yeah yeah although it can be used be, as a sort of a misogynistic yeah. kind of targeting of women but you know it's so obvious that especially with like the whole Kardashian troupe Mm. That but also every the, photo you ever see them in is retouched, and they don't even look like that in real life anymore. But it's it's so it's so um, incredibly crafted to the point that there is such a it's not even necessarily like a huge team behind it, but there is so much going on behind the the Jenners and the whatever. And that's the thing, and they they don't even but it's presented their own Instagrams. Yeah, the reality is all of it is filmed and pre-planned and. I mean, not a single one of their posts isn't an ad of some kind. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't realise it. Or or think that that's fine and that's what they want, um, which in itself is a sort of a bit worrying. I know we've sort of meandered and talked around um, a lot of interesting stuff here. I think, I think our conversation here only echoes what has been sort of said throughout the series, which is kind mm. of the increasing polarisation of everything. And anxiousness and oh, fear fear yeah. and pressure people from work on those fears people around us i don't know if there's any sort of final thing you'd like to say about about kind of closing off the season as as growing up mm. as a whole well perhaps we've been a bit doom and gloom today but i think the main thing i wanted to say is you know if i could talk to my younger self mm. i think it's really easy to tell people your younger self it's fine, you'll be fine, don't worry. But I, I don't want to say that because I know it's not yeah. helpful. And perhaps of anyone out there who's sort of young and just coming to uni or just leaving uni as well, perhaps this is something you need to hear. Um, no matter what you do, don't question whether you're making the right or the wrong decision. Mm. Take more time to reflect on how it makes you feel. And if you're doing something which makes you feel anxious, if you're doing something which you really just don't want to do, if you're hanging out with people who you don't really like or who make you upset, take a moment to just go, fuck it. I want to do something that I like, something that improves my life, something that improves the life of others around us. And do that. Do what makes you happy. Even if it's, you know, eating a whole bag of crisps and watching a murder mystery documentary for three hours you know take more time to do that than taking more time to please others yeah beautifully said molly beautifully said um, and thank you very much for joining me today no problem bye for now as always thank you very much for listening we've got a couple other podcasts on our website so do check them out and if you ever have any questions contact us at contact at nakamedia.co.uk